0: When I was going through my transition period, I actually joined back up in the army reserves for a while because I wanted to, I felt that loss of identity or that huge cultural shift. So understand again, that, that you can try something out. And if it aligns to your lifestyle and perspective and where you want to go in life or your values, then keep moving forward. And if not, it's okay to fail. It's okay to, it's okay to, like we said at the beginning of the call, a two-way door decision to go back, I and mean, it's not just returning to the military like I did for for a brief stint, but rather stepping out of that and saying, I tried that, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else that didn't work, or I'm I'm going to study this, or I'm going to try this career path, and understand that that give yourself grace. I think is the biggest thing, because you're not going to know what's going to happen, and I'm right there with you. I don't know what's going on half the time, and it's um, you don't know what you don't know. You got to give yourself grace that you're going to try something out. You're going to experiment, you're going to learn, and you're going to move forward. And if it's a good move forward, or if it's even, there's addition and subtraction. You can step back a few paces and say, hey, that didn't work out. I should probably readjust or shift fire. And you can go from there. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I'm very glad that you decided to stop by. This podcast is designed to help individuals transition from one major chapter of their life to another. And right now we're focusing on moving out of the military and into the civilian world. My guest today is Hunter Tom. Hunter was in the army and he worked in communications and he now, after transitioning out, works at Amazon Web Services. In the episode today, we talk about his time in the army, his transition out of the army and his advice and wisdom for those who are about to follow in his footsteps. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoy the episode
0: solemnly swear, Do solemnly swear, that I will support and defend, that I will support and defend, the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Post-Military Podcast. I'm your host, Billy, and today with me is a fellow Amazonian, Hunter Tom. Hunter, thanks for being on today. It's good to be here, Billy. Really excited to be here. I'm really happy that you uh, decided to come on and share some wisdom with all of our listeners. So let's get let's jump right into it. Please tell everyone out there about your time in the military.
0: Certainly. So I think let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, So the first first off, I'm the first in my family to be in the military or, or to to have served in the military. So I came into the profession not really having a clear understanding of what I wanted to do with my life. And that's that I think that's a key theme that I wanna share throughout. Uh, so I went into the military to really pay for college, what I wanted to do there. Uh, and I, I really wanted to become a history teacher in the beginning, um, but that honestly didn't really work out. <laughs> so of course, spending time in the military, I got comfortable. I really enjoyed elements of being an army officer um, so was an infantry officer for a while at Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington State. Uh after my platoon time, I moved into being an executive officer as a signal corps unit in the same brigade. And that was really my first foray into tech. So, you know, coming from a history degree uh into the military and then really uh dipping my toe in the water when it comes to technology. Uh from there became a signals officer, so an S six at us at the in the same brigade. Um, and I really didn't realize what I was doing. Um, and, uh, after a while, um, I, something really came up where I realized the things that I was doing day to day in in terms of uh, of my, in terms of my career in the military wasn't bringing me joy. Uh, I was running around, putting out fires. I was keeping things afloat. Uh, and I really had a passion to, to be a builder. And so that's where I started realizing, well, possibly the military isn't best career path for me at that point. And then I decided, um, or I, I just wasn't excited as I used to be. Um, I, I had a lot of, of fire and a fire and spirit going in and, uh, obviously over time that is tempered. Um, and so, uh, being in that position of not really being passionate about what I was doing, uh, not really having the same, the same joy. Um, I, I, I was looking at other options or saying what's next for me. Um, one thing to keep in mind as well is i 'm also one of those people that if the house isn 't on fire uh, i, I don 't really like i don 't really like to get out of the house uh, so i don 't really like to change what i 'm doing however my 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 spouse was really supportive uh, in of me not knowing what I want to do with my life i still don 't i 'm still learning as i 'm going uh, but really pursued me to pursue my identity and outside of my profession so separating out my professional life from my personal life and ensuring that uh, while we are we are essentially the sum of all our parts that my professional life did not overshadow. When when people think of Hunter Tom, uh, you know, what, what is really who that is? What, when they think of Hunter Tom, what is that definition in Webster's dictionary? So I think that that's a really quick uh, you know, throughout my, throughout my military experience. And then um, I, I finally made the decision uh, with the support of my spouse uh, with some family illnesses uh, to support my family, to transition out and pursue, Uh, supporting my family and and really looking and going on an adventure on on identifying who I was. Yeah. So
1: the first thing that I really want to ask you about is you talk about getting this passion as a builder. First of all, shout out to all the history majors out there. I also did that. So that was one of the, when you and I talked at first, I loved that that was something that we could connect on as people who studied history and then somehow ended up in tech if you started off as a platoon leader and then you transitioned over into the signal Corps, did, where did you get that builder passion? Do you think it was something you already always had or did they send you to some training where you were like, wow, I got hands on keyboard? Uh, Cause for people who might not be in the military, who are listening as an officer in the military, you're really a first line supervisor. That's your first job. And then you're going up to like skip level and then beyond. So you're really, unless you personally are into something or are in a very niche field, you're rarely the hands-on keyboard or the doer. So where do you think you picked that up?
0: I think that's a part of who I've always been. And it's been a self-discovery where I I really enjoyed uh, exploring, adventuring, learning, um, and just being more hands-on in general. I think that's one of the things that drew me to the military in the beginning. in uh, the beginning. I didn't see myself at a corporate role. Funnily enough, I've kind of cycled back into that, being in being in Amazon. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's always been a little part of who I am, and it's been through that self discovery process of of really realizing that and owning that as a, a part of my identity. Hmm.
1: And were you so when you were when they were saying like, hey, Hunter, you're going to be doing all this Signal Corps stuff? Did you go out and kind of teach yourself? All of the various skills, or at least so that you could
0: talk the talk to the people that you were in charge of. Uh fools! I I had to learn. So it was it was um, I think an, another theme that I that I when I was reflecting over what I wanted to speak on is uh, I had to fake the funk. Um, so uh, going through and just pretending I know what I'm doing, especially as a um, first generation uh, person in the military, not really having any anyone that I could reach out to and say, hey, how do I do what I'm doing? Uh, but really build off the training that I had as my rudimentary training. And then from there, uh, really rely on my uh, NCOs uh, to really ensure that I, I, kept, I kept going and I kept driving us in the right direction. So I think uh, part of that is, is that I, I, I fake the funk. Obviously, when, when you get handed a, a task, you can't just, you can't, can't fail. Um, There's no, there's no margin for failure. So it was really about working together as a team uh, to identify my shortcomings, uh, what I needed to improve on, if it meant mad Googling in the background, trying to figure out, you know, what, what, how does a router work or something along those lines? Or how do, how do I, uh, how do I configure a radio um, to even, uh, you know, really relying on, on the, on the knowledge base and the backbone Uh, that is my senior NCOs. And I shout out to all of them. I wouldn't be. Uh, half the man without their support, their guidance, and their mentorship during my during my officer time. So super, super uh, humbled to be under their tutelage during that time. I
1: think that any good officer would agree with you uh, that the NCO Corps really is there to pick up CGOs, uh, company-grade officers, so early in their career officers for people who are unfamiliar with the military, and really guide guide them along. So I completely agree with that sentiment. At when so you talked about in the military, you started separating your identity, your work identity, from who you were as a person. How early on in your career do you feel like you started doing that? And um, yeah, let's let's start
0: there. Cool. Um, well, how how early did I? I, I think I really started when um, I became a platoon leader where I I stepped into this, this very ancient and honored tradition of being an officer of an infantry unit um, and really saying, well, what does this mean? What does this mean for who I am? Uh, and how does this change with having more than just the tradition and having more of a legacy than just a simple family of, hey, I know two or three generations back to, let's go back to the founding of the country. Uh, and really, really trying to to continue and to, and to continue that legacy on forward. And so that began my questioning. Um, however, to answer your question a little clearer, I think that really came out during my time when I, uh, started transitioning out of the military because I didn't have that tradition or that legacy to say, I am Hunter, I'm a part of, you know, X, I'm a part of the, this military tradition, um, and, and really use that as my core, my core foundation. So having to, having to go out on my own.
1: Yeah that makes a lot of sense uh before before i dive into that one question i am really curious about what were the circumstances that that uh that resulted in a history major infantry platoon leader ending up in comms like how did you how did you make that sure. what
0: happened there uh so so Ending up in, in comms or in, uh, in, the, in the military outs like uh, Signal Corps or in tech? In, like first in, in the Signal Corps.
1: Then oh, okay, we'll, okay. I'll ask you about Amazon later. I'm just curious sure, sure, how sure. they just randomly picked a, a, a rifle platoon lieutenant and were like, you're a computer guy now.
0: Uh, well, uh, one was uh, the needs and availability of, of platoon leaders at the time. So uh, as we were cycling out platoon leaders after my time, uh, there was a cohort of us that opened up. Uh and um additionally I was uh eventually supposed to be branch detailed signal corps. So what that meant was after uh becoming a captain, uh, I would go to captain's career course down in Fort Gordon to become a signals uh signal corps uh officer. However, since I didn't have any training at the time, they said, well, we'll just give you a little bit of training uh in the front end. So uh both the the needs of the unit one and then uh that was primary because um uh, and then secondary getting some, since I was eventually going to end up there, why not, why not put me there, uh, until I was a captain. So that
1: makes sense. <clears throat> and when you had when you moved to, to the S six, so you're, you're leveling up and just your kind of reach what were just for people who are unfamiliar with just kind of like the, like brigade S six work, what did, what does that mean? Just to paint a picture for people.
0: Sure. So, uh, stepping out of, uh, so, uh, when you become a platoon leader, you're in charge of roughly 40, 40 folks. uh, And you are, you're, you are more of hands on ground, sort of controlling what's happening in the moment. When you step into becoming an executive officer of a company, you really focus on how do I enable those platoon leaders? um, And how do, how do I enable those platoon leaders and those platoons to accomplish the mission? Uh, And then once we step into becoming a Brigade S6 um, I'm stepping out of that company into, uh, or not, uh, excuse me, not brigade, battalion S6. When you step into the battalion S6, you're looking at how can I enable companies to accomplish their mission? So if you think about it from that perspective, you have uh, squads uh, in platoons accomplishing stuff, uh, accomplishing whatever needs to happen. Those platoon leaders supporting that mission, the companies are supporting that. And then as a as a uh, battalion S6, uh, really stepping in um, and uh, looking at how can I how can I support the that that mission at that scale. So some daily tasks that I stepped into, I was an A, uh, active directory domain um, uh, domain admin. Uh, I managed classified and unclassified networks in uh, both on post and in austere environments. Uh, I managed satellite communications as well as radio uh, radio wave uh, communications and retrans. So I did um, both uh, you know retrans off of planes off of uh, off of the moon uh, through the through the atmosphere at different levels of the atmosphere. It was super cool, um, and just really learning about that, and then lastly, of course, doing uh, with the the classified environments of uh, being a cryptographic manager and managing uh, encryption keys and, and doing that sort of stuff and managing computers and and hardware that is running within the battalion so that's.
1: Really cool. And for anyone out there who's unfamiliar with uh, satellite communications and radio communications, we don't have radio stations on the moon. We uh, There's just certain <laughs> waveforms that we can bounce off of the moon or off of different layers of the atmosphere to uh, achieve something called line of sight. And it's, uh, it's really cool, super nerdy radio stuff. But uh, before anyone out there thinks that we have stations on the moon that beacon back, we
0: don't. Uh, no, so <laughs> no, we were, we were using it as a mirror essentially, but, uh, if you, if you are really inter- if anyone's really interested out there, there's a lovely, uh, uh, there's lovely novels, uh, or not novels, but lovely, uh, army publications that will put you to sleep in pretty much instant <laughs> that is nothing but math on how to do that. So you can go learn how to do it for yourself and get a ham license. So you're doing it legally and not, uh, not getting arrested by the FCC. That's how I did it. So when you say you you manage these
1: radios, these satellite networks, these austere, all this stuff, just to be clear, you yourself weren't doing it. You were managing Correct. teams Correct. of people to do it. Okay, I just want to make sure because yeah,
0: that's, um, fair. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's a good and, that's a good clarification.
1: Yeah, and I guess I guess for you, so when you say you're a builder, I guess some people would say that building the strategy and the um, the the vision for all these teams, like some people might consider that building, but for you, what would you would define building as more like I hunter go create a thing, or how would you de- how would you define it builder
0: for you specifically? I think for me, building is proactive rather than reactive. So a lot of the things I was doing wasn't uh, creating net new products and services. A lot of what I was doing was uh, keeping things up and running. So obviously, if you have a, uh, a radio network uh, running in, um, run, or, you know, radio network running, it's not about, hey, I need, to, I need to invent a new radio. It's I'm a consumer of that product and I need to keep that up and running for the folks that are a consumer of my, of my unit, of my shop. So that's where I think uh, being proactive over reactive really makes a difference there. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's a
1: for people who are in a any kind of service, whether it's IT or healthcare, anything where you're maintaining a service that's providing something to a consumer, it is really rough because it's almost a thankless job. Like no one really takes the time to dig into a radio network and go, wow, that's really complicated. It's really impressive that you can keep that going. It's always it's just business as usual until one of your one of your relays goes down and an entire squad loses comps and then it's like what are you doing yeah so yeah. it's just a it's just a rough it's just a rough place to be but if you invent the new satcom then you're like communications Jesus and everything everything's great so i definitely i definitely understand why that's i think it's a really good delineation between maintenance versus creation um so once so you kind of leveled up, you're you're in this like strategy stratosphere that you would rather not be in maintaining, True. maintaining communications networks rather than going out and creating new things. And so once you had made that decision, like, hey, uh, this isn't for me, I'm going to start broadening my horizons outside of the military for a possible move. Um What did you, what did that look like for you? What did you start doing in order to, I
0: guess, fact find? I think for me, it's um, not really knowing what next was for me. It was a lot of, well, what's out there um, and really doing a lot of essentially just Google searching, like what's available, ask around, see other people that had left the military, ask them. Uh, see even uh, other possible careers within the military, Uh, you know, taking a, taking a look at, at uh, cyber, et cetera, as well as uh, some other branches, Uh, really just, really just uh, kind of exploring. And, and I think the hardest thing for me, I I assume this is going to be your follow-up question, but the hardest thing for me in terms of, of knowing what that transition looked like is not knowing what I don't know. And that's, that was a huge, that that was incredibly scary for me, not knowing what I didn't know. So a lot of, a lot of how I did my research was, Hey, I know that you're transitioning out or, Hey, um, what are, what are my options and really, really exploring that and uh, essentially just making a choice and stepping through that. So do you think that, I guess, first
1: question, would you say that most of your research was uh, Human-based, like lots of conversations, or was it a lot of individual, uh, individual
0: googling? Which one do you think you did more of? Probably more conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think I think a lot of it was through through networking and through through knowing folks.
1: Yeah, I think I mean I think that networking is a. I mean that's how I personally ended up where I am. I think that I I have a really bad habit where if I have a choice between looking at a wiki. And going and asking somebody a question, I'll go ask somebody a question 10 times out of 10, which in the company that I work for right now, that's very wiki based. uh, That doesn't always jive for me uh, very well, because someone goes, why don't you look at the wiki? I go, because you're right here and I can ask you. Um, So that's uh, so I definitely think that for anyone who's listening, networking is and you've heard me say this on many episodes or the guests say it. Networking is so incredibly important because so many different people, just like Hunter have just a wealth of information that can be valuable to you. Um, So going back to your other question, the other part that you said, which was you don't know what you don't know, which is like the scariest thing getting out of the military. How did you overcome? Because I believe that how did you overcome your overall fear of getting out with not knowing what you don't know combined with your desire to tend towards um, stability. Hmm.
0: I would say that hmm. that that is an interesting. Okay, so I'm trying to think of the best way to 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 answer that. I know you're laughing at me now. Um, I I think for me. Is that not knowing what I didn't know and and making that decision to leave the military? Should I left the military? Um, I, I think that you know there. I, I I I'm not one to give too much advice to folks, and I'll, I'll because the thing is is that uh, you work in Amazon, I work in Amazon. One thing I always laugh and joke about our culture is that everybody has an opinion and they're only partially right, and so I offer this this advice that I'm about to give with that disclaimer in there is that I have my opinion and I could, I could be wrong or I could just, it could just be a different a difference of opinion. So first off making that decision to leave the military was incredibly scary. Um, I, if I truth be told, if it wasn't for my, my spouse, Danielle, um, supporting me and saying, uh, you know, I, she wants something better than me or uh, better for me in terms of, uh, alignment to who I was and my interests, etc. cetera. Um, I would probably, again, house not on fire. I would probably still be in the military just because I don't want to deal with the headache. I'm comfortable where I'm at, even though it's not exactly, um, it's not exactly uh, causing, causing me harm. Um, so I think when it comes to, to, to answer your question is that it's really about making a decision uh, and understanding that, that um, it's a two-way door decision that if for some reason I step out of the military, uh I did it I did corporate life for a little bit, uh, I realized it wasn't for me, it's okay to decide to go back in the military. I actually had one of my one of my uh battalion officers, uh great friend, great uh great mentor, great great wealth of wisdom that I was able to leverage. He actually spent about five years out between his captain and his major time. Um and that was uh hugely Formative for him, and again, going back to my my theme of uh, we are the sum of all our parts. Um, just because you you try a path doesn't and and it doesn't turn out or it doesn't work doesn't mean that it was it was bad for you. It means that you gave it a, you gave it the good old college try, um, and if it didn't work, it's okay to fail. Uh, I know in the military, um, at least in my position, I was terrified of failure. Uh, everything I had to do would be would have to be perfect because. For me, there, a failure was not an option. Um, and stepping into a place where, you know, translating that as I took the military culture the military tradition into my personal life and making that my own personal identity or, or a large part of that, seeing failure is not an option to happen. Um, lately, and uh, since leaving the military and, and, and failing a lot, honestly, and, and not just, um, you know, I, I fail every day. I fail in my day-to-day job. I fail. uh, I fail all the time. And understanding that it's okay to fail, but learning from that is important. And so, you know, for those out there, um, my, my opinion or my advice would be, if you are feeling like you need a change or you need something different, it's okay to try something. It's okay to, you know, for example, for me, take up bread making, you know, and see, Am I a good bread maker? Obviously not, because uh, I've made some horrible, horrible bread during uh, bread loaves during um, during this this COVID season. But uh, you know, obviously my uh, my spouse she laughed at it, but she was just like, you know what? That's okay. You're doing something. It's fun. Obviously, lesson learned. Let's not have you make bread again. So was um, yeah was yeah. bread the was bread the weirdest thing that you tried during COVID. No no no, no 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 so uh i' slowly i'm slowly learning from bread, but like you, I don't like to read a lot of instructions. I just like to ask folks, and that usually ends up with some very interesting interesting instructions um i've I've made yogurt uh Ooh. i got i had a, a little a little uh a little tryst with um with uh crocheting um so like it's just pick up things, try it out, see if it works um yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. cool.
1: Points for you for
0: using an SAT
1: word like tryst in a podcast, by the way, that's, that's, uh, that's sweet. So going back, going back to something that you said that I think is really interesting. Do you think, so I'm someone that I can really relate. Like I was, my exit from the military was a little bit different. Like I knew I couldn't go back, but I still really approached I approached my transition in a similar way to how you viewed stuff in the military, which was like, I've got to get this right. And there was a lot of stress um, associated with that, which I can completely, so I can completely empathize with you there. Do you think that knowing that it was a two-way door decision was the information that you needed to give you kind of the courage to move through that? And before you answer that question, just to give everybody like what a two way door decision is, we both know because we're both Amazonians. It's a concept in our company that basically says if you make, if it's a decision that you make that you can walk back from with little to no consequences, it's a two way door decision. You can walk into the door, you can say, oh, it sucks over here, and then you can come back. A one way door decision is once you go through the door, it's done. Uh, So, really cool decision making concept, but once you had established that hey this is a two-way door decision for me and you actually saw someone who had done that was that the piece of information you needed to kind of sally forth see I can use SAT words too
0: there you go I like it I like it um yeah yeah I'd say so um obviously uh it's 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 person and situation dependent but I would say yes I think uh once you once you make that decision um understand that there there are very few one-way door decisions um, obviously they they exist and they can happen or you can create you can make a one-way door decision out of a two-way door decision but that's a whole nother conversation um, but the bigger part is is situational dependent and personal per- personal or personality dependent yes, I think that understanding that uh, it's okay to try something and it's okay to fail and it's okay to say I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so, okay. and so I guess the, the next question is
1: if that was the thing that you needed to see to have the confidence to get out, sure. what do you think you would have needed if it was a one-way door decision? How would you have tried to overcome that? Like, I need to do this the right
0: way. Anxiety, if you couldn't have walked it back. I don't think I, I think I would be a lot a lot more scared to do it. To to actually so I think I would have I have done the um the predator prey thing of just freeze and just hopefully that, you know, uh hopefully either decision is made for me. Um or I um or uh you know I, I uh I would I would definitely be been a, a lot a lot more nervous and uh don't get me wrong. I was terrified. Uh but I, I think I, I would I would approach it with a lot more fear, knowing that there's no going back, um, and, and so that's. And uh, one thing I would say though, with that, with something like that, having a support team, especially like as I, I keep mentioning here, uh, you know, I, I hold my spouse in the highest regard. Like she's a rock star. Like she's as you should. She's the reason. She's the reason that she like I, I I can get up in the morning and uh, and do the things I do because if I don't, you know, I'll get a. I'll get a shoe thrown at me. One and then two. She she just keeps me motivated. She's she's my uh, cheerleader, and I, I really I really appreciate her. Um, but I think having that support system, where even if it's a one-way door decision, saying hey, uh, no matter what you do, if you fail, if you do something right, um, you know if you if you uh, fail forward or or you know fail upwards, um, that's okay. Um, or you fail back. But having somebody in your corners is so incredibly important, and having that community where folks are are looking after you and really really trying to ensure that you are doing what's best for you and ensuring that you are being uh, healthy at the end of the day, I think is I think is the best way to to put it, at least in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I think that I love that you keep talking about community because I think having that support system is very important because for a lot of people, when you get out of the military, you might not have that support system in the same way that you thought you sure. and you really do need that to move past move past uh, your time in the military so i think that that's a that's a wonderful call out um before we kind of continue on do you think that there's do you think what are some other tools that as someone who really needs to do things or really feels the need to do things right and has that associated stress what are things that you do besides lean on your support system to sure. kind of deal with that? And the reason that I ask sure. is because I think that it's, I think that very few people view leaving the military as a two way door decision. I think it's a very cool Absolutely. thing that you do. And I think that unless you're retiring or getting like medically separated, it always is. But I just don't think people mentally think like that. So, how would you tell them? Besides a support system to, if you were in their shoes, what would you do to bring down that anxiety? Hmm.
0: I would say work in degrees. So understand that you don't have to. And what I mean by work in degrees is don't feel like you have to change everything over. And that's something that I, I, I find incredibly important, even in my in my today's in my um, in today's job and what I do um i work in degrees and so i don't try to radically change an organization or a culture or a product line or anything like that overnight i i look at what is the next little bit that i can do in order just to make that 1% change um and so when it comes to leaving the military i think the bigger thing to keep in mind is that you you work in degrees you say hey i'm not going to you know radically change my life and come up with a 20 year plan overnight but rather um, step into that and understand that that trying to trying to be perfect all the time it's not going to happen you're going to you're going you're going to work yourself into the grave um, but rather saying hey listen i'm going to get this right but i'm going to allow myself one little area where i can be where i can be i can be messy i can be incorrect or i can be wrong and then from there you know, slowly work that into your schedule. And so then you allow a little, another little area, another little area, or, Hey, I don't like this about me, or I need to work on this. Um, and then slowly over time, it's not an overnight thing, but slowly over time, you develop, um, you know, you kind of allow yourself to release hold on that fear of, of failing or fear of doing something wrong um, and jump, jumping off into the unknown to being like, you know what, I'll take a chance. Um, so again, work in degrees and don't feel like you have to change yourself or change um, that fear of failure overnight. yeah,
1: I think that that's wonderful advice, and it's advice that I did not follow when I got out of the military. I literally sure. uh, I got out, I got a new job doing something completely i mean it was still in tech, but it was in like cloud, so like completely different. I moved across the country and I think the only anchoring point that I had that was similar was my wife was still in the military so I could get on sure. base. And I was yeah. like, I would literally go on base sometimes and be like, oh, oh, this feels similar. Like, this is this is nice. <laughs> and it was it was weird. But now that I look back on it, I was like, oh, that felt so good to me because that was a point of commonality that I had that crossed from my old chapter of my life to this new chapter of my life.
0: And I think that's incredibly important. And I agree with you one hundred percent. That's actually something I tell when I when when soldiers, my old soldiers, reach out to me and say, like, hey, sir, um, I say, obviously I'm not a sir anymore, I'm i hunter. Uh, but hey, sir, I'm getting out and I'm just like, Oh, that's great. And I usually check in with them. Uh, and one of the things I, I ask when I check in with them, uh or I, I advise them if they if they want my advice, uh, but I say, you know, keep your schedule. You've been waking up at uh, you know, five o'clock every morning. In formation at six, you know, working out, doing these things on a Monday, Tuesday. You know, they could they could write their schedule with their eyes closed, because um, that's what they've been doing for however long they've been in the military. Keep that. It's not bad. Um, but I would really recognize or 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 uh, it, that there's there's value in in that. I, I recognize the value in keeping that schedule. And then again, work in degrees to slowly release that. And for you, it was going back on base and just being in that schedule and seeing that schedule, that, that, the hum of that organization of that very intricate machine work around you, uh, but slowly move off of that. And that's something advice that someone gave me, again, is to work in degrees, so I can't claim all the credit for that. But uh, the, per- the, the person I was uh, very good friends with said, uh, who, who transitioned out himself said, um, keep your schedule, for at least, you know, three, four months um, and slowly bake in free time to do other things. Um, so again, for you, it was getting on base and kind of having that feeling that like you're in that purposeful uh, forward motion of the organization. Um, for me, it was keeping my schedule and, and having having that purpose in what I was doing. I think that's wonderful,
1: wonderful advice for peop- for everyone out there. So when you knew that you were, so you knew that you were getting out, you started prepping by talking to different folks. Sure. Um, how long was it between when you started preparing to get out and when you actually like your, here's your DD-214, have a nice life day? Sure.
0: Um, yeah, no, that was uh, iconic. Still have my, my, uh, my I, I still, every time I look at my DD-214, I have fond memories. Um, but that, that, that took about, I and antagonized or agonized, excuse me, agonized over that for about a year. Um, so it was uh, going through that process, thinking I was going to be getting out, uh, looking at programs for transitioning service members, uh, signing up for those programs, going through them, and then really looking at uh, tr- the transition out. So um, that took about a year, I would say, start to finish.
1: Do you think that, that was enough time or do you think you would have done, you would have started earlier if you had the chance
0: um i don't really think it's time bound i think it's when you're mentally prepared and ready sure. for that for that exit because for me even though i had like a year of of thinking this over and considering it and then submitting my paperwork and going through that transition process um on top of going to field deployments and all those things it wasn't it wasn't continuous. It was very much um it was very much in spurts. Uh so so uh it's it's not I wouldn't say that that you need an a year, two years, three years to to decide getting out. I think really it's about when you realize that there's other opportunities or that you are considering getting out, begin prepping yourself because it's not just, hey, I get a DD214 and have a nice life. It is a cultural shift. It's an identity shift. Like I talked about earlier, you're changing your schedule. You're changing how you dress. I remember the first week after getting out, I looked over at my, at my wife and said, Hey, what do I wear? I don't have a uniform for today. And she just laughed at me and she's like, all right, you're going to wear this and this. Kind of just giving me again that, Hey, I'm not having to make all of those decisions right off the bat, but stepping into that and jumping from going hundreds 100% in the military full speed full throttle to the civilian life is very jarring and so again slowly back off and slow down and get ready that when you leave the military you aren't running at you know 12 hour days so on and so forth working or however long your days your workday is you're not running at going to the field every quarter you're not running that you have to do all your certs and qualifications and going to the range, et cetera, like that. Um, Having such a very, uh, your timeline stretched out in front of you. Isn't the important thing. The important thing is being able to divorce yourself from that and work your way in to being the master of your own identity and the master of your own universe and where deciding where you're going to go.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, I think that that's a I think that being mentally prepared is probably the most important thing it's something that I I harp on I mean the whole point of the podcast is so that people sure. who are not thinking about the mental game that comes with transition start thinking about it uh, before before they ever get to that point um, so I I completely agree with that dude were there any programs or any things that you did during your year of transition that really, that really were impactful to you, uh, you would recommend
0: that people check out or, uh, just, yeah. What, what would those be? So, uh, how I ended up in the position I am today, again, coming from a zero code, zero tech experience, other than just managing the folks looking over their shoulders and every once in a while stepping in and pressing a button where needed. shooting radio waves at the moon. Yes. 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 It's. 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 Uh. Again, just point the antenna in that general direction, and it'll, it'll, it'll eventually get there. Yeah. Um. So, um. Coming from a no tech experience, you know, essentially my third real career pivot. A huge shout out to uh, hiring our heroes. So I had a a couple of folks who transitioned uh uh ahead of me, some some fellow officers that I was uh, fellow platoon leaders with. Um, they went through Hiring Our Heroes and said, hey, that's a great program. Um, And uh, that really prepared me for the tech world um, because I I went through that program. It showed me what corporate life was like. It showed me what it was like to to be a builder. Uh, It showed me what it was like to market myself very, very uh, succinctly. And it gave me those, uh, to your earlier point, incredible networking skills uh, and incredible networking connections, not just the skills, but you know, I was, I was rubbing shoulders with the people that eventually hired me. And, uh, once, once I exited the program and got my DD two fourteen, um, you know, I was just like, Hey, I'm ready. And, uh, I was picked up. I was, I had the, I had the, uh, I had the honor and I had that, you know, I, I feel very blessed that I was, uh, that I was picked up with, uh, with, from the folks that I talked to. That's really cool. What, so is hiring our
1: heroes, is that, is that in tandem with SkillBridge, or are they two separate? Are those two separate
0: programs? Haven't been aware of the the machinations of of SkillBridge or of um, hiring our heroes lately, mm-hmm. so I can't say. Yeah. Um, from from when I was in back in uh, 2017, uh, and going through that, uh, hiring our heroes was part of the Chamber of Commerce to essentially give to, to link up. Service members with corporations around the base uh, my again I was fortunately uh, aligned to Amazon uh, other folks were uh, in Microsoft um, in in Starbucks in uh, local startups et etc and it was again to give them that corporate experience so I don't know if it's in alignment with skillbridge um, again i haven't i haven't really uh, i't I, I it's know. been
1: a, it's been a while so I, a minute, I definitely yeah. yeah I definitely get that Fortunately for all of you who are listening who have yet to transition, Hiring Our Heroes still exists. It's a fantastic program. A lot of uh, guests on the podcast have talked about it. And Skillbridge, which is just another method of essentially doing the exact same thing that Hunter did. And so um, I really do think that having the opportunity to try out a job before you have to hard commit to a job is a really... Massive benefit that people should leverage when getting out of the military for sure. Do you think that? Oh, sorry, we about to say something?
0: No, I said yes, oh, okay. absolutely. Support,
1: yeah, support that 100%. So, do you think that spending your time in the corporate world of Amazon, because you went into the office, correct? This is pre COVID. So, you yeah, pre COVID.
0: I was, I started in 2017 in
1: Amazon. Yep. And so, do you think that it was helpful to you? to spend a certain amount of your time post-separation working in the corporate world to start moving in degrees away from your previous identity as an officer in the military? Like, do you think that that factored in?
0: Um, Partially, yeah. I I think it's also really environmentally based. So uh, Amazon was very much, uh, uh, you know, if you show up a little late to a meeting internally, it's okay. Uh, And, you know, I was showing up 10 minutes early to the meeting, you know, getting everything set up and ready to go. And uh, people are like, what are you doing? It's okay. Like, relax. Um, And and I think the bigger thing to keep in mind is that that's okay. Um, You know, again, I I, I stuck to my military, uh, my military uh, guidelines, manners, routines, regimen, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, I've 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 relaxed since then. So, you know, I can show up on time or maybe a minute or two late um but it's it's okay again it's it's about um it, the the corporate world was good it was good for me to to take a, to take to take that break from the military um and kind of work in degrees to to uh be a little bit less less stiff no
1: no i i definitely understand i it took me i think i Going back to you talking about networking, I think I talked to like 300 some odd people when I was preparing for my transition. And I don't think wow. I stopped calling people sir or ma'am until I was on like conversation 100 in like 50. Yep. And it, took, it just took all those people to be like, chill, I'm Tom yep. or I'm Hunter or I'm Bob. And I was like, oh, okay, sir. Bob. <laughs> like, like, it was so hard. But I, I definitely understand that the uh, um, breaking that down is takes time. Uh, it definitely takes time. But I would also say that for people out there listening, like, oh, man, do I have to break down all of my military, all of the isms that I bring from the military? I say I would say don't because things like showing up early, being able to take on um, multiple tasks like uh, this, something kind of like all these things really help you become an outstanding member of whatever organization you're a part of. And um, something uh, kind of just shooting the tangent off, has it been as a Brigade S6, like you really just grab whatever is thrown to you and then some, what was it like for you in your first role outside of the military where they hired you literally to do a thing and like, you don't like, they're like, you you do the thing and you don't do any of the other things like sure. what's the, what was that like for you
0: well one quick thing i think i misspoke i uh, i meant battalion s six i i uh, i was in the same brigade, brigade. no no uh, same brigade brig- but yeah, you, so- you said brigade
1: i said battalion because i'm a dumb air force person i don't know no no no, no, no. It's, it's, it's battalion it's battalion, oh, is it? not, okay. not brigade so i was in the okay, same good.
0: brigade uh but a different, bata- or a different okay. battalion or so i apologize it's oh, it's it's all good you got to love the translation i apologize <laughs> um just wanted to clarify that for the of folks course. on the call um so for a as a of six yes you kind of uh you are juggling you're juggling a lot of th- you're juggling a lot of things wearing a lot of hats um uh stepping into the corporate world it is it is a little jarring when they say you're working on a thing um make the, the whatever that thing is perfect uh or just continue working on it. Um, and you know, our, our deadline or our, our, our timeline is six months from now, And you are like, wait, what, you know, I, I'm, ex- I'm ex- like, usually I'm used to deadlines being last week or two months ago. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? And I found I out money? about it today. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. And, uh, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all, uh, All our med pros are red, you know, like it's that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, and we, we're, we're, we're going on a, we're going on a deployment, we're going on a range tomorrow. So we have to, uh, you know, cattle car, everyone through, uh, through whatever. So I I digress. So yes, I think working on that and changing the characteristics that you learn and the isms that you learn from the military are incredibly important. Sir, ma'am, being able to deal with stress, juggling multiple things, wearing multiple hats will top block you and don't take those things that you learned or that you learned how to deal with for granted. Again, like I said, we are the sum of all our parts. And as you go along this journey of life, you're still defining who you are. And as you add more experiences into your bucket or into your life, whatever analogy you want to use, that just, that builds upon what is already there. So don't just start chucking things out. Because that's that was last week or that was last month or last career. But really about that is that uh, it's about taking all these experiences, all of these things and appreciating both the successes and the failures and understanding that all of these things make up who you are and it's okay. And who you are, you should be comfortable in your own skin. And so the, the military-isms, again, I still have those. Um, I still, every once in a while I'll catch myself calling someone, sir, ma'am. Uh, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it was very funny. I once, um, in one of the buildings that I work in, uh, one of the, one of the, another person was in there, uh, working as well. And, uh, they, I, they, they looked at me, uh, when I was, when I was talking on a phone call and after the phone call, I said, you're a vet, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And just like, well, it's how you're, it's how your your posture of how you're sitting. And how you're gesturing with your hands, I could tell you're a vet right from the start because she she was a vet as well, uh, and so it was very much just like ah, you know, it's again the sum of all your parts. Yeah. So
1: no, that's awesome. That's a great story. I wonder, I wonder how she would define a veteran talking on the phone. That's such a that's such a funny that's just a funny thing. But it was like a dog whistle.
0: She she cocked her head. She looked at me, and then she was like, "Yep, all right, I know exactly. He he's a military officer. He's an army <laughs> officer." So. She was That's enlisted, so, so she she ragged on me for a while. Oh,
1: so. I'll bet, I'll bet she did. <laughs> um, before we kind of move into your time at Amazon, sure. do you have any final, um, any kind of advice that you would give folks who are just from a mechanics perspective? Like you sure. talked about networking, you talked about hiring our heroes, you talked about understanding your the mental game of the transition itself. Um, any other overarching advice that you might give someone who has yet to make that transition, um, so that they can kind of start gearing up for, um, gearing up for their personal journey? Sure.
0: Uh, yes, I do. I have two bits of advice if you can allow me an extra, extra slot. So first off, um, as we reiterated before, it's okay not to know. It's okay not to know what you don't know and understand that everybody's in the same boat. It's not just people in the military. It's not just you. It's people everywhere. People don't know what they don't know. And the more and more I realize it, the more and more I extend grace to folks, and I more and more I extend grace to myself that I don't have to be all that in a bag of chips. So just understand that you don't have to know everything. The key thing is, is that when you learn something new is that you iterate and you make you make that, you fail fast. You allow that to be part of you know, you don't fail again on that specific thing. But I think the bigger thing that I want to to kind of use that as a springboard to get into my main point is that it's about prioritizing the things that that are valuable in your life. Um, again, you don't know what it, when I was going through the process, like I don't know what's important to me. Uh, but as I've gone through this process of transitioning out and still going through it, I'm really prioritizing the things that are important to me and pursuing those. So don't think that, I'm replacing the military with a corporate job. Um, I'm replacing Hunter, the the army uh, officer, with um, Hunter, the the corporate uh, the corporate exec or the corporate employee. Um, but rather looking at this of saying, during that time, I am still Hunter, um, and so prioritizing things based on my values and pursuing that. So hobbies, um, you know, uh, hobbies, careers, um, you know networking and friendships, uh, places that I wanted to live, et cetera, where, you know, I, I, for me, I prioritized, you know, based on my, on my faith, my, my family, my friends, community, and then work. So therefore, you know, at the end of the day, when, when it's time to go home, when it hits four o'clock, I'm out of the office. Like people know that if you schedule something at four 15, you're not going to get, it. and again, that's not because I'm trying to be bad, but because I prioritize that I want to, that the, the things that I value my, my family, my friends, my community, that I want to spend time with them. And that's, that's what's important to me rather than say, getting a, getting another promotion at work or, or, uh, you know, working extra hard or, or finishing a project. And so not knowing what I didn't know, again, this has been a self-discovery process, but really laying out, even writing, it might seem cheesy, but writing out on a piece of paper, what, what, what is valuable to you? Not what do you value, but what is valuable to you? And, um, it's not just, um, you know, that, that you, that, uh, look at, look at what are the big, the big foundational building blocks of, 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 at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, what means most to you. And so having, again, uh, lining those up and then making sure that whatever you do in the civilian world, use that as the, as the lens, which then you view and you say, should I, should I, um, Should I go into a corporate life? Should I do startups? Should I be like a small business owner? Should I not even have a business? Should I just work, you know, in whatever industry? Um, Should I be a cattle rancher? Whatever it might be, there is no real wrong decision so long as it doesn't, uh, when you're looking at it through the lens of what you value at that time. uh, And again, your values can change at that time. Make that decision. um, that, That at least has given me the relief of not regretting um the majority of decisions that i've made yeah
1: i think that i think that that's wonderful advice and i i think that it's such a important thing for people to do before they move from not just people leaving the military but for sure. people going from one chapter of their life to the next chapter of their life sure understanding those values outside of their job and understanding that a job falls within your values but it's not the only like you shouldn't take all of your values and try to ram them into a job a job is just an aspect of your life that is the summation of your uh, hopefully your values and do you think that do you think that people in the military almost overemphasize their job in their next chapter of their life because the military is almost like a lifestyle more than it's a job but we don't think of it as a lifestyle until you look at it in post like do you think that's a fair state because
0: that's kind of what my thought is but i'm curious what you think i would agree to an extent i don't think it is um i don't think that it is uh a unique characteristic that can only happen through military through a military career that's fair um but i think it is very prevalent at least it was prevalent in my life i can't speak for everybody but it was prevalent in my life that's again what i what i really uh what what drove me is that it was my lifestyle it became who i was um and then understanding that uh a tangible thing a job or whatever you want to call it um an activity does not make who you are it does not that is not a value uh your values are these intangible things that at the end of the day, when you look back on your, you reflect on your day, that, you know, did you get heartburn from that? Did it rub it a little wrong? And so that's where, again, being more specific and and being like, hey, you know, I agree with this and having these statements that say, you know, I support X or I, I think that Y is right. Um, and then looking back on how your day, your day and uh, filtering that through, Um, and, and, and having that impact what you do every day, I think is the important part. I could be just ranting at this point, but I, no, I I think,
1: no, I think that, I think that your perspective is so incredibly mature because it's something that I've only recently started thinking about, like in, in the sense that I think I told myself that there's, I have a lot of, there's a lot of things that are, that I value outside of my job, but because I was in the, I viewed my military subconsciously as a job, True. but it really was a lifestyle. And True. so then when I went to my next job, which is not a lifestyle, I expected it to be a lifestyle. I think subconsciously just cause it's like the next job that I did. Yeah. And so that's the, what used to Yeah, exactly. And so then when I show up, it's not Amazon's fault. When I show up to Amazon and I'm like, this isn't as holistically uh, fulfilling as I was expecting. It, to be. Exactly. it shouldn't be. It's not, no. it's not supposed to be. And so, I think that for you to be able to say there's all these values, your job fits within there, and it can be a big part of it, but it doesn't have to be, but you need to understand how it applies to the individual I think is such an important thing to think about, not just for the transition from the military to the civilian world, but just like from chapter of your life to chapter of your life do you how did you how do you think you built? like, have you always kind of thought that way or how, yeah. When did you, how did you get to the point now where you can like, you're clear. you clearly thought about this a lot and I'm curious how you built up the built up this idea to the point. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: It's a work in progress. It's not done yet. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to get done to be honest. Uh, I'm, This is, again, this is five, this is, this is, for folks on the, for folks, you know, listening, this is, this is five years and it's still not done. So don't, again, don't feel like you're going to change your life overnight and become this completely different person. You're going to have everything figured out. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So, um, you know, that's where I am taking this and doing a lot of thinking and and understanding that I try something out. I, I put it through uh you know in in amazon especially in my in my uh field, we have a lot of things called unit tests where you build a product you build this code, and um for folks on the line, the unit test is is taking that product and code and saying in this scenario, it should respond x or it should it should react in this way or it should give me this output, and then running your program or your code or your service through these unit tests to see is it really doing the thing that you said it was gonna do and so uh, taking relate, relating that back to my life is taking uh, thoughts, ideas, um, taking you know new learnings, new cultural, um, celebrating the differences that I see with other folks, and running it through those unit tests and understanding at times they might be right uh, and I might be wrong, or I might be right and they might be wrong, or we both might be wrong, or we both might be right, and it's okay to, to disagree, but celebrating those differences. And understanding that, um, understanding that that run take time to understand this, and so don't think that you're going to come up with your own framework, and it's going to be, um, you know, that uh, that mine is mine is this great master plan. It's still in motion. It's probably going to change, um, and uh, we'll we'll see if it lines up, if it's if it passes the litmus test of my values, and then the unit tests that you know I, I apply to it to see. Well, this idea does it actually align to my values, or does it does it accomplish what I'm trying to get out of it when I apply this framework mm.
1: to my mm-hmm. life? What um what resources or experiences do you think you have either consumed or gone through that have really helped shape this framework that you exist like that uh that you like that exists within you now? Mm. I
0: think it's just life. I I I I don't want to say that I've gone to like a a conference somewhere and I got this secret thing or I read this book or this sort of thing. Honestly, it's just from daily interactions. If I read a a quick article online, um, if I hear something on the radio, if, I if, you know, I, well, I majority of it when I talk to folks and when I communicate and interact and I build that community, um, and then I, I really question the things and retroactively think on or retrospectively think on the things that, um, that, that, that I engage with during the day and then you know, try to try to write take notes, journal. Um, say like, I didn't like this, like I was frustrated about this, or this rubs me the wrong way, or hey, I should probably do this, and then have that journal refer to it and not not remind yourself daily, but go through that and, and learn. But I'd have to say life. I I honestly don't have a good answer for folks, and I apologize for that, Billy. So
1: oh, it's totally fine. I think that uh if I think that in my looking at after talking to you for the amount of time that I've talked to you in this conversation and previously, I think that the thing that I would probably credit you for building this framework is that you're incredibly um, insightful for yourself. You take the time to almost not post-mortem, but almost re-examine things that you've done, events that have happened in your life, decisions you've made or things that you felt And you don't just view them as things like you don't view them as things that like if you're in a car that are just passing by your window, they are things that need to be stopped and examined because then they can chart the course for where you're going to go next. Sure. And for people who are trying to develop that internal framework for themselves, sitting down with yourself and taking the time to examine who you are and understand who you are, why you work the way that you work, um, whether that be through talking to your friends, people that know you, going to therapy, things like yeah. that, I think are I the think counselors are the are great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I go to one every week and it's yeah, uh absolutely. it's it's fantastic. But um I th- I would pro if I had to take a stab at it, I would credit a lot of your success in developing this framework with your ability to be insightful and ask these questions about yourself and then be able to then apply those lessons to what's next in your sure. life. So, um, I want to, I kind of want to move, I want to move on to Amazon. Um, sure. cause you know, cool company. Uh, yeah. Give me free stuff. Uh, g- <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, the, one thing that I think everyone's really interested in is how did you learn, whether it was in the interview process, because um, I know you had to re-interview for your job, even though you kind of had already done it, um, whether you're in your interview process or post-interview process in your job, when people ask like, what did you do? Or when you're trying to apply your experience in the military, how, did you, how do you translate your military experience in a method that people that have never been in the military understand Hmm.
0: well i think that there's a cultural of a, a culture of mystery with the military community within the civilian world um and some people might say that oh you know the civilians don't understand what it's like to be in the military um I was thinking over, when you said you were going to ask something similar to this question, I was really thinking over how would I respond, and actually I spent some time thinking. And the best thing I could say is how I respond is is uh, in a spirit of inclusion and, and diversity, really celebrating um, that it's not really a, barry, a barrier, but actually a cultural difference uh, and or, or a communal difference. And I think that Seeing it in that light, rather than hey, there's this wall that, that separates me from the rest of the world, uh, can be very isolating. But rather, seeing it as a cultural or communal difference that I, again, um, that I that I have a I have a chance to celebrate and to share with with folks who don't know um, and understand that there's going to be some faux pas on both sides, um, and we have to understand what what does it mean to to celebrate those differences. And so, um, you know. Treat, teach, and learn from others the same uh, as you would from from for, from folks in your community. So, you know, you're you're, you're treating them. Uh, you're, you're saying like, hey, you know, this is where I'm coming from. You know, it's different. Uh, we have different. You know, we have different. Uh, we have different humor. We even have a different uh, way of, of viewing things. Our humor is very differently, very very dark. At least mine is. Um, but really, looking at it as uh, learning more about their culture and, and, and sharing your culture and having that, ha- having that communication where you can share funny stories of when you are in, uh, you know, reflect and, and, and celebrate that. Um, and understand that, you know, sometimes someone's going to mess up and someone's going to offend you and just as- extend them that grace. And again, not treat it as a barrier where you feel isolated and that you can't communicate and you can't, you can't, uh, re- you can't, can't interact with them to re- really being, Hey, I'm from a different culture. You're from a different culture. Teach me about your culture. I will teach you about mine. And I do that all the time. In Amazon, it's amazing. I so thoroughly enjoy working with the cast of characters that I work with um, from all over the world, from all different experiences and all different walks of life that when I hop on a call, one of, probably one of the first things I say is, Hey, I don't know how you pronounce your name. Can you tell me how you pronounce your name? And they're like, Hey, it's, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, well, where are you from? Like where what is the lineage of that name? And I start off the calls that way rather than being like, okay, you know, uh mis enunciate or or completely butcher their name. And again, be okay to f- like to uh, uh, be okay to fail and say like, hey, I'm probably going to mispronounce your name. I'm sorry. Um, but when I I, I always tell Mrs. is is, is self deprecating humor is that hey, I come I come from a part of the country where everybody was Bill, Sue, and Sally. So you're gonna have to. You're going to have, uh, please extend me grace as I try to learn your new name, but I think it's so cool. I get to meet somebody from this part of the world and seeing that as, as a, as a, as a, uh, an area of celebration really broke down that challenge and say like, Hey, you know, you're not supposed to ask those questions. That's not, that's not appropriate. Like that's, that's for me. And you know, my, my, my brothers, sisters and, and servicemen in arms, and, um, that, that could be offensive or can I just have a teaching moment? I don't know how to communicate here, or I don't know how to, you know, what do you call yourself? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the culture I'm in and being able to celebrate that and to learn from that and uh, have that as a two-way door communication. So being able to, being able to, to go back and forth and have that bi-directional communication is important.
1: I think that that's awesome. And I think that that's such great advice for people who not just, Going like how do I talk about my military experience? It's just how do I interact with people that are different from me um, and I think that and I completely agree I think one of the coolest parts about Amazon is I love the military because of the div- diversity of people that I got to oh, work yeah. with uh, It's like it, there is nothing like it in the u s in my opinion, and then you go Not to really. Amazon, which is a a global which is a global company. And you're working with very intelligent people from all around the world. And it's probably one of my favorite things about the company for sure is uh, getting sure. to, you walk in to, you walk, every person you meet has a different story and they're all from different places. And I, th- I think that that's really cool. Yeah. So what did you, what do you do in Amazon now? And did you, were you able to satisfy your building your builder nature in your, cause you're still here you never left Amazon Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who's uh, who's confused on it. Uh, He's still at Amazon. So, (laughs) yeah.
0: So my day-to-day job, I am considered a principal cloud infrastructure architect. Uh, I didn't start off there. So uh, my interview process, again, um, going back to that point, networking is so important Uh, because if you cold call somebody in this, in this uh, technology first world, or you email them, you text them, you send them a LinkedIn notification, you know they don't have any skin in the game they don't they don't have any grit um, so by building those relationships and you leverage them to get your community, or to get into a scenario i was incredibly uh, uh, fortunate to to go through the hiring process because truth be told people would be like hey what's s3 i don't know give me google and i'll figure it out man like i i don't know what s3 is and for those on the call it's a storage system in aws amazon web services
1: and for those and they, in the army it's not the portion of the brigade or battalion in
0: charge of planning. So. Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, good point. I forgot about that. No, that's a good one. Um, yeah. So like they asked me questions like, Hey, what's this? Why did you use this service? What, you know, what, when would I use this? And a lot of it was, I don't know. I have stories from my military life and this is what I've done. Um, and if you don't think I'm, I'm set, that's okay. But this is what I know and I'm willing to learn and really showing that ability and uh showing that i was given uh like i said i i feel very honored and very privileged to to have that position where they brought me in as an associate and i've been with amazon ever since and i've gone through becoming an associate to consultant to senior consultant to principal architect um so in my day-to-day life to to get to your your question i apologize for that long run around not at all um but i i really focus primarily on um helping customers, helping uh, Amazon Web Services customers uh, build out solutions in in the cloud. So they say, I have this application or this data center or uh, these these requirements. How can I accomplish that at scale? And so that's essentially what I get to do now. And I build and I lead teams and I code. And uh, right before this call, I was working on an internal, I was collaborating with another, uh, a fellow Amazonian um on an internal internal uh, dashboard for a tool that they're building for HR you know and then just just spending time working on that and getting my hands dirty, messing up a lot and at the same time uh, collaborating to better to better folks to better the community to better the world to better my customers and uh, that's that's what I do
1: That's really awesome and uh, it definitely sounds like you're able to satisfy that yes builder value that you that was the the primary reason why you left the army so i I really i really love that you're able to do that how do you feel like through those multiple different promotions in amazon Mm -hmm. what do you think and we've kind of already talked about like the isms of the military but uh zooming out a little bit more through this journey outside of the military what parts of your military identity do you think that you've kept And what are the things that you felt like you've left behind, um, to now make the current version of you that clearly still has a lot of reverence for what they did in the military, but is now this, this person who gets to do this really amazing stuff in tech.
0: Sure. Um, well, a lot of this was unlearning unhealthy habits. So again, uh, those still exist and, and, uh, But to your, to your question, I think is learning that it's okay to fail. I think that's what the one thing I left behind that, that readily comes to mind. Uh, the isms that, uh, still stick with me, um, I deal okay with stress. Like I said, we were, again, we were, we were able to juggle, uh, we, we being service members are able to juggle multiple things simultaneously, wearing multiple hats, um, be able to contextually shift from one area to another very quickly. Um, you know, those things, uh, being, 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 um, being able to, to, to step in and take ownership, um, or really not really know what's going on, but make a plan and move forward and fail fast where, Hey, that didn't work. Let's try to figure this out and be like, well, I didn't read the manual on this, but we'll figure it out. Trial and error. We'll figure it out. And so those areas, uh, really moved me forward. And, and, and those are the things I've brought forward from the military. Um, but. I I also just want folks to understand as well is that specifically within Amazon, you know the ideas of of ownership, um, of uh, uh, of being more of a I don't want to say aggressive in a bad way, but being aggressive in the sense of like hey someone needs to do this I'll do this or I need to I need to this needs to happen um, and, and my my military life uh, aligned or the things that I kept really aligned to the Amazon leadership principles. And so that's why I'm honestly here. Again, going back to our early, earlier conversation, and I want to stress this because and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I want to stress this because I find this so vastly important, is really, again, going back to what's important in your values and your framework, applying to that to your life. And if your job doesn't meet up to that or doesn't align to that, you shouldn't be there. Or you should really question, well, who's right and who's wrong? And can you reconcile that? And so uh, for the isms, I think uh, a lot of it aligned to the Amazon leadership principles. um, And that's kind of what has been what has been driving me um, and what I've kept from the military and move forward. So
1: that's awesome. What do you think? Well, we kind of already talked about like you've really you've really done a good job of talking about values and viewing your job as just a single part of your values. Sure. As you've gone through your time at Amazon and gained more responsibility, how have you exercised your uh, your your desire to kind of spread yourself out into multiple aspects or disciplines in your life outside of your work? Because, and the reason why I'll ask this is I, I talk to a lot of people um, and including myself that, again, we go, we think our job needs to be that primary fountain of purpose or like, and me finally having this breakthrough and realizing that doesn't necessarily have to be the case is one of the primary reasons why I started this podcast. Um, but how do you think, how do you um, exercise like those multiple aspects of like spend
0: time there? Certainly. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and you can tell me if this doesn't answer your question is actually so. Uh, you know, my wife, uh, she worked at a previous company uh, in the Seattle area that one of their values was, um, or I shouldn't say their values, but really something that they strove for was a balance between all the areas of your life. And what I mean by that is it's not just, uh, you know, work and work and personal life. Uh, step, step even further, zoom out a little further, but you have your physical, your emotional your spiritual, you know, parts of your life, your emotional, um, and, and finding a balance and finding, um, finding something that, that doing things in your life that align to that. And so uh, when you come to, when you ask me, you know, like, how how have you found this balance is it's, it's not really about, um, you know, choosing, choosing uh, option A, or let's, let's make this a little more realistic, choosing ketchup over mustard, but it's about finding that balance that allows me to uh to uh, to hit all those areas to hit all those check marks and understand that it's okay not to you know it's it, there's going to be give and take it's not going to be perfect i because i what i don't want folks to walk away from this conversation with saying you know i need to do these yeah you know, it's not the checklist mentality of i need to do these 10 things when you're doing uh you know like a like a an army was motor pool mondays and going through and pmcsing your vehicles uh but going through and having this checklist of does it exist does it? but rather, hey, things are going to be a little, you know, messy. Things are, I don't know what, what option or what, what choice is right, uh, but rather trying to find that balance between, again, your physical, your spiritual, your emotional, and uh, which I keep always forgetting one. Physical, spiritual, emotional, and... Uh, mental? Mental, uh, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, you got it. You got it, yeah, so... just um, crushed it. There you
1: go. <laughs> do you, do you feel... Fi- in, after getting out of the military, obviously in that transitionary period, um, I guess starting with your transitionary period in the military, getting out, how do you feel like your values, like your rack and stack of values, did you feel like they changed leaving the military, going into Amazon? Um, no, okay, not no, f- no, no. I, I would
0: say that again, it's a change in degrees, and so it's it, I didn't like walk in day one. Amazon and say I am discarding all my previous life and these are my values. Uh, you know I walked in very much being a member, a service member, a prior prior service member, and then over times adopting, assimilating, uh, challenging my beliefs, challenging just how I operate, and and bringing that in. Um, so again, reiterating, you know we are we are the we are the the sum of all our parts, and not just our parts but our experiences. And so understanding that those will change, those will be. Some sometimes some days I'll be more you know knife handing folks than I will just be like hey let's grab a cup of coffee and talk about life. Um, but it, it, things ebb and flow and and it's very it's very fluid at least for me. Again I'm not I'm not one with hard I'm not one with clear goals in mind um, other than what I value, and so therefore uh, for me it's very loosey goosey.
1: No that that makes a lot of sense. And as long as you're maintaining those values and then all of your actions throughout the day are kind of processed through that higher order of values, then it it does make sense. Um, After getting out of the military in your time, in your six years out of the military now, have you had to experience a reprioritization of those values? And was it... How did you handle, how did you handle that?
0: Yes. To answer your question, uh, reprioritization of values. Um, it's ongoing. I'm very self-critical of myself. Again, coming mm-hmm. from, uh, a culture of, uh, I cannot fail. I was very self-critical. I was always trying to be perfect. I was always doubting myself. Um, so again, it might seem like everything's polished, but everything's held together with, with bailing wire and, and duct tape. Um, but I think the bigger thing for me is that when I, when I come across a, um, when I come across a, um, a different culture, a different, uh, idea, lifestyle, uh, something I disagree with, it's not just my immediate response is to, to think that I'm always right. I always approach a situation and I always try to, I'm a very prideful person. So I have to remind myself all the time, you know, like Hunter, you're probably wrong. And make sure that I'm stepping into conversations with folks and interactions from a humble perspective and saying like, Hey, this is my thoughts. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, please tell me so I can adjust. And when someone tells me I'm wrong, which they do a lot, um, you know, I can go back and I say, well, am I really wrong and think on it and, 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 uh, like you said, a post-mortem or after action review, uh, really analyze, does this align to my values? and uh the bigger the bigger building blocks of my values and and when i put it through my frame should i think this way or should i um should i act this way should i say these things Um, and so that's that's generally where i uh that's generally how i would answer that question is yes my my values change but again those those fundamental building blocks do not um and that's where uh, I, I I apply what what happens day to day, or my actions and and what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling through those values, and then I, I I retrospectively say I probably shouldn't be saying that, or I shouldn't be thinking that, or I shouldn't be interacting with someone like that. I need to, I need to be better. Hmm.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Um, for someone who is preparing for just either the transition out of the military. Um, or has already transitioned out of the military or shoot anyone who's like made a transition in their life um, what outside of this discussion of values that we've already had which I think is incredibly poignant to the question I'm about to ask would you have any other advice of course from your perspective which it varies from person to person but from your perspective sure what advice would you give somebody who is to tackle these, um, this dissociation of identity from something that they were ingrained in before. Um, and they're moving into something new now, outside sure. of values and operating in degrees of change. Cause I think those are the two big ones that you've yeah. stated already that I personally have walked away from so far.
0: Well, I. Uh... When I was going through my transition period, I actually uh, joined back up in the Army Reserves for a while um, because I, I, I wanted to, uh, I felt that loss of identity or that, that huge cultural shift. Um, so understand again that that you can, that you can try something out. Um, and if it aligns to your lifestyle and perspective and, and where you want to go in life or your values, then you know keep moving forward. And if not, it's okay to fail. It's okay, to, it's okay to, like we said at the beginning of the call, uh, a two-way door decision to, to go back. Um, and it's not just you know, returning to the military like I did for, uh, for a brief stint, but rather stepping out of that and saying, well, I tried that. That didn't work. Well, I'm going to try something else that didn't work, or I'm, I'm going to you know study this, or I'm going to try this, this career path. And understand that, that uh, give yourself grace, I think is the biggest thing, um, because you're not going to know what's going to happen, and I'm right there with you. Uh, I don't know what's going on half the time and it's, um, you don't know what you don't know. You got to give yourself grace that you're going to try something out. You're going to experiment. You're going to learn, uh, and you're going to move forward. And if it's a good move forward or if it's, a, you know, even, even there's addition and subtraction, you can step back a few paces and say, Hey, that didn't work out. I should probably readjust, um, or shift fire and, 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 uh, you can go from there
1: no that makes that makes a lot of sense and i definitely i definitely agree that giving yourself grace and not putting yourself under a significant amount of pressure uh is is good uh it's very healthy because like all you're gonna all you're going to do is create more stress when you're you're just gonna stack stress on stress if uh you're not willing to give yourself if you're not willing to give yourself grace um how long were you in the reserves, and when did you like I understand why you got back in, but what changed for you to get back? Like, how did you, how did you hit that? How did you
0: know you were done? Like, yeah. what was the, what did that, what did that look like? Sure. Sure. So uh, I, I joined the reserves a uh, very brief stint um, for about six months, six months to about a year. Um, and I didn't, I was able to do that. People are like, how did you do that? And I was able to do that because I didn't sign any money or any like contracts. I just said, Hey, I just want to join your unit because I want to see if this is a good fit. Uh, I want to see if this is uh, a good thing. And I really enjoyed it. I was working with brilliant folks uh, out of Fort Totten in in, uh, New York. Uh, Really enjoyed my time there. Uh, Really as actually uh, uh, my one, my, my company commander at the time, since I uh, it was a very interesting unit. Uh, We had company commanders in charge. It was a intelligence unit. So company commanders in charge of, um, majors and other captains. It was pretty wild. But uh, my my company commander was actually somebody I went to college with. So it was incredibly fun. I enjoyed the people, uh, super smart people with PhDs, and and, uh, I really enjoyed what I was doing. However, again, I got to a point where uh, their deployment cycle, uh, which again, I was like, hey, I just want to join you for a little bit of time, see if this is a good fit possibly go on a couple of deployments if that fits within the cycle of, of what I want to do. Um, but their deployment cycle was too heavy and too hot. Um, they were wanting me to essentially, uh, with the training cycle and the deployment cycle after I finally got my legs underneath me in the unit, uh, was uh, essentially wanting me to go back to the Army full time. And I said, okay, wait one second, let me stop. Let me reevaluate what I'm doing. And this is aligned to the bigger picture of what I'm, my values of my family Spending time with my family and supporting them, uh, you know, being a builder uh, and having to quit the job that I joined in order to to go back to the military life, uh, and so that's when I said, you know what, I'm all right. I don't think this is the right the right move for me. I'm going to have to back out. Um, and again, not painting that one way door decision. If if by taking the sign on bonus, by taking, uh, by by signing a contract, so to, so to say, um, you know, I was able to serve. I was able to help out where I could. Um, and, uh, then realize, Hey, this is probably not for me. And I, I backed out of there and, and it took, it took several months to, again, work through the, the governmental paperwork to, to back out. Um, and was, sorry to rescind all my access and whatnot, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, that was my, my brief, my very brief stint in the, uh, in the reserves.
1: Was it, was it cool for you to be able, cause I know you had some like emotional distress of leaving the army the first time. Sure. Yeah. Was it cool for you to be able to just make a more like a less like you were able to make that decision the second time with like less emotion? Like, was that a was that a good moment for you to kind of look and say, like, wow, I I stuck to my values and I did this and I felt good about yeah. it. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. That's really, really cool. Um, And I, I think that's awesome that you I think that I think the biggest thing that I found really just wonderful about this conversation is the concept one. Now everyone knows about two way doors. So, uh, Amazon HR, if you're listening, uh, we're, we're spreading the good word. Um, but also it's such a powerful concept because like we, people view these things like, Hey, don't view these decisions as permanent, because most of the time they're really not, but also don't make them permanent unless you want them to be. And I think that there's so much wisdom like, hey, I went back into the military to check it out, but I also was very intentional about not locking myself in so that I could try it and then move on if I need to. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that is a making that rational decision and viewing all of those things in that way is just something that people don't think about, or they don't give themselves enough time to think about. Um, and I think that is just such a powerful lesson for, for folks to take, take away, uh, from, from your message, uh, which, which I think is, uh, which I think is awesome. But, uh, Hunter, it's been great. It's been great. It's been great talking to you, man. Um, before we before we go, any final rounds? Any last things that you really feel like you want to say to the listeners? Um, any last pieces of advice?
0: I think we no. covered it all. I think We, we said it, it all. all. I love yeah. that.
1: I love that. You you did great. And uh, I there's a lot of amazing things for people to take away from this conversation. So, Hunter Tom, thank you so much for being on. And uh, Thank you so much for everybody else uh, out there listening. Uh, Thank you so much for the support. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Post-Military Podcast. Peace.